Father God, we thank you for the Psalms. We thank you that um, no matter how we're feeling, we can always find a Psalm that helps us to express our thoughts and our feelings. And we just pray that you will speak to us this morning as we delve into Psalm 139 and find out um, what it is that you want to say to us this morning. Open our ears and our hearts to hear your voice, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to start with a question this morning. Is there somebody in your life who really knows you really well? It's like they know you inside out. Or have you ever known anybody like that? Who is it that really gets you? They know somehow what you're thinking, what you're feeling. It might perhaps be a, a husband or your wife or perhaps a brother or sister, maybe a parent or perhaps a good friend. Think about whether there's anybody in your life who really knows you that well. And when you're with that person, you don't necessarily have to explain how you feel. It's like they know already. What's it like to be known so well? Is it comfortable or is it a little bit perhaps unnerving at times? Perhaps it depends on the person or the situation. I remember um, when Pete and I first got together, um, he picked up from a text message that I'd sent him that I wasn't feeling brilliant. And that really surprised me because I thought I'd hidden it. But he got through my defences and he came straight back at me, what's wrong? And that really frightened me. Um, but now that we've been together so long, actually the fact that he knows me so well, and he still loves me, there's a bonus, um, that's actually really comforting and it's very reassuring. I don't have to explain to him how, I'm feel, how I feel because he gets me, he understands me, he knows me really well. And Psalm 139 is a very personal poem where the writer expresses amazement at how well God knows him and how much God loves him. And we're going to go through the psalm and really see the effect that this has on the psalmist. And as we get to the end, we'll think about how honest the psalmist is with God about his feelings. So the psalm is divided into four sections, each of six verses, and we're going to look in a little bit more detail at each section and look at what the psalmist says about God and about himself and what we can draw from that for our lives today. So first of all, verses one to six. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So this section talks, first of all, about how intimately God knows the writer. 
In just the first four verses, we can see how many words there are that convey this knowledge and intimacy. You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. This word know in verses 1, 2, and 4 is the same word that's used in other places in, in Scripture to talk about the intimate act of love between a husband and wife. And some of the older translations of the Bible even render it know in that context. So in Genesis 4, for example, it's used twice when Adam knew his wife and she gave birth to a son, and also when Cain knew his wife and gave birth to a son. This is how intimately God knows each one of us. It speaks of an inseparable bond, something very exclusive, very personal, very private between two people. And if we look at verse 6, the writer says that this love is totally awesome. It's too wonderful, too lofty for him to attain. It's out of reach. He can't quite grasp it. It's beyond human comprehension. But yet somehow he knows it to be true. God created us as human beings in his image. And as part of that image, we are created to be relational beings. And that means that we need to be known and accepted and understood and loved. But as we've said, isn't it a little bit frightening, a little bit uncomfortable to be known so intimately? Somebody who knows me so well, they know my shortcomings, they know my failings, they see when I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing or perhaps when I'm not doing the things that I should be doing. Well, let's see what the psalmist has to say about that. Verses 7 to 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So if you remember some of the things that we were talking about earlier on, about Hebrew poetry, and that it doesn't rhyme with the words it uses, but it rhymes with ideas, we can see that there are examples of this here. This is just one of the devices that the psalmists would use. And this is called, if I can get my tongue around this, synonymous parallelism, uh, which is just a fancy way of saying that it says the same thing twice. And where we see repetition in scripture, it's always for emphasis. The writer really wants us to get that point. He wants to, to drive it home and to make sure we've understood what he's trying to say. So in verse 7, we see this synonymous parallelism. That's twice I've managed it. I'm doing well today. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The writer really wants us to understand that there is nowhere that we can go where we can be away from God. 
And in verses 8 and 9, he expands on this idea by talking about some of the geographical extremes that he might be able to go to. Up and down, the heavens and the depths, on the wings of the dawn, which is as far east as he could possibly go, and on the far side of the sea. In ancient Israel, the sea was a natural synonym for the west, so he means as far west as he could go. And this idea is picked up by the Apostle Paul in chapter 8 of his letter to the Romans. And verses 38, 38 and 9 say this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the feeling that the psalmist is trying to convey here. It's not a, an oppressive, trying to get away from you feeling, but it's more of a reassuring, no matter where I end up, you will always be with me to guide me kind of feeling. Verse 10 talks about God's hand that will always guide him, his right hand that will hold him fast. It won't let him go. The writer wants to convey how much God loves him, how trustworthy, how faithful God is. God's presence with us is very personal. He's with each one of us, upholding us, guiding us, sustaining us, no matter what might be going on in our lives. And he will never let us go. So another question for you. Do you ever make things? Who makes things? Anything? What kinds of things do you make here? Obviously, we, we write music. Does anybody bake? Yeah? Or cook? Um, does anybody sew or knit? Perhaps woodwork or anything like that? So I want you to imagine just for a minute that you are a craftsman, perhaps a painter or a writer or, or whatever it might be, and you've just created something that you think is the best thing that you have ever made. You've lost count of the numbers of, number of hours that you've spent um, designing it, working out the dimensions, carefully choosing the, the colors or the ingredients and the materials that you're going to use, and you've put countless more hours into its creation. And it's just beautiful. You think it's the most exquisite thing that you have ever created. How do you feel about what you've made? Sad? Disappointed? Happy and proud. And you want to tell people, don't you? You want people to see it. You want to show them. Now, according to the psalmist, this is how God feels about you. You are God's creation, and he loves you so much. He's so proud of you, and he wants everybody to know how much he loves you. Let's look at verses 13 to 18. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. 
when I awake, I am still with you. And these verses speak of the intricate way that God has created each one of us. Verse 13, you knit me together in my mother's womb. What we look like, how tall we would be, what color eyes we might have, what color hair we might have, if indeed we would have any hair, whether it would be straight or curly, what size feet we would have, all of these things, they've been carefully planned by God. God planned our personalities. Verse, th verse 13, you created my inmost being. And the Hebrew word for inmost being here is actually translated as kidneys. And in Hebrew idiom, this was used to mean the mind or the interior self. So God planned our personality traits as well. God also planned our future. Verse 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It's no accident that you were born. God planned your life. He created you with love and with care. And he thinks about you all the time. Isn't that amazing? So where does the psalmist go from here? Let's have a look at verses 19 to 22. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Well, this is a bit of a contrast, isn't it? We've just been reading about the psalmist's very gentle, very lovely words about how much God loves him and how intimately God knows him. And now suddenly we're faced with these really intense feelings and this strong language. The writer's thoughts about God in the earlier verses speak of such a strong bond between him and God, and he belongs to God completely. And as he's brought back suddenly to the reality of the world around him, and he's confronted with the wickedness in the world, it provokes this very strong reaction in him. Because of his loyalty to God, he has this knee-jerk reaction to those he views as God's enemies. There is strong language here, as we've said. Verses 21 and 22 speak of hatred for God's enemies. Four times the psalmist expresses this feeling. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. And if we remember that repetition in scripture is there to add emphasis, we're left in no doubt about how the psalmist is feeling and thinking here. So what do we do with these thoughts? How do we deal with them? Isn't it unchristian to feel such hatred? And how does this fit with Jesus' teaching to love our enemies? Well, we need to think about who this hatred is directed towards. The enemies who are frequently mentioned in the Psalms are the powers in the spiritual realms that have an influence in the world around us. God does not view human beings as his enemies. He never stops loving people, no matter what they might do. And neither should we see human beings as our enemies. 
the hatred that the psalmist is voicing here is hatred against those spiritual forces in the realms that are waging war against God and against God's creation and against God's people. The psalmist here is being completely honest with God about how he's feeling and he's acknowledging his thoughts even if perhaps they're not very pretty. And this, I think, is really encouraging because it gives us license to do the same. Many of the Psalms are brutally honest about how the writers feel. And we need to remember that no matter how we're feeling, it's okay to tell God. God knows us intimately. He knows how we're feeling and what we're thinking anyway. So we can't actually tell him anything that is a surprise. So when you have a bad day, do you ever sound off to anyone? Perhaps you've had a bad day at the office, or something's gone wrong at home, or you've queued for 45 minutes in a petrol queue and you haven't managed to get any, like I did the other evening, um, or you know the kids are playing up, or whatever it might be. You've just had a really bad day, and you just need to get it off your chest. It feels good, doesn't it, to be able to do that? And if you know the right person to sound off to, you know, you can say what went wrong, how it made you feel, and know that actually that person isn't going to criticize you or judge you. And even if you have to admit that you've made some mistakes, knowing that that person still loves you, it's very comforting and, and very reassuring, isn't it? And if we can do this with another human being, how much more can we do that? with God, God who loves us unconditionally and knows us so much better than we even know ourselves. And he still loves us. And actually we then feel so much better, don't we, for getting it off our chest. It's actually really important to talk about how we feel. Um, because if we don't, those thoughts and those feelings, they can begin to fester and then take root. And then all sorts of unhealthy things like anger and bitterness can then begin to grow. And that's not good. But it's not always easy to be completely honest, isn't it? Whether with God or with somebody else. But it's really important that we do because while we are in denial about our feelings and our thoughts. God can't work in us. If we acknowledge how we feel, that gives God space to work, space to grow, space to do his healing and transforming work in us. So let's just have a look at the last two verses. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Having acknowledged and been honest about his true feelings, the psalmist now allows room for the possibility that there might be evil in his own heart. In biblical language, the heart is the center of the human spirit, and from it come our emotions, our thoughts, our motivations, our courage, our actions. Proverbs 4.23 says that the heart is the wellspring of life. And by asking God to examine his heart, the writer is asking him to examine the very center of his being, the root of all of his attitudes, his thoughts, and his actions. He recognizes that he is sinful, that he's not perfect. But by acknowledging that and knowing that God loves him, 
unconditionally and knows him intimately, he's actually able to welcome God's examination of him. And he recognizes that if he allows God to search him and to examine his heart, God will let him know if there's anything in his life that needs to be worked on, that needs to be sorted out. And this will guide him further on God's way everlasting. If we allow God to search our hearts, if we let him in, he can help us to deal with those issues that we're facing. He can heal us and enable us to move forward on his path, on his way everlasting. Now it might not happen overnight. Some things of course can take quite a long time to sort out, but God loves us unconditionally and he meets us right where we are. We don't have to attain a particular standard before God will love us and meet us. He meets us right where we are. And no matter where we go, what we do, if we love him and we're loyal to him, God's hand will guide us and his right hand will hold us fast. So being known so completely might initially sound a little bit scary, a little bit unnerving, but it's actually one of the most comforting and reassuring things that we could ever know. God knows us inside out better than we know ourselves. He knows our ups and our downs. He knows our successes and our failures. He knows our, our strengths and our weaknesses. And he loves us completely and totally. So what I want to do now is just allow a moment or two for us to invite God to search our hearts. And as we've said, this isn't actually as, as scary as it might initially sound, because God knows everything about us and he loves us. So if you feel comfortable to do so, just close your eyes for a few moments and just take a minute to just be completely honest with God. Tell him how you're feeling today. Then invite God to show you if there's any area of your life that he wants to help you deal with so that he can lead you forward in his way everlasting. And now simply allow God to remind you that he loves you unconditionally. Your being here is not an accident and he has a plan for your life. So let him love you this morning. Receive his love and just enjoy being in his presence.
Father God, we thank you that your love for us is so complete. It's perfect. It's unconditional. We don't need to do anything to earn your love for us. You love us all the time, no matter where we are, no matter what we do. And I, we just thank you this morning for your love. Thank you that you are gentle when there's something that needs to be worked on in our lives, when you need to perhaps reorientate us and point us in a different direction. Help us, I pray, to be honest with you about what's going on in our lives, knowing that you know anyway and that your love is far bigger than anything that we could ever do. You're never put off. And Lord, help us, I pray, to be able to be honest with you and to just allow you room to work in our lives, knowing that we are held and that we are loved by you all the time. Thank you, Father God. Amen.